Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Will George. This is a day at the yard, common sense pitching with Wiley and Will. We're going to be without Mark Wiley today, uh, but we've got a great guest today in Willie Frazier, Washington Nationals Special Assistant to the President and General Manager. It's the title we all hope for when we're in baseball, as we talked about before the show. Before I let Will introduce Willie, just want to give a little message to our faithful audience out there, 16,500 subscribers as of today. Make sure you continue to download, listen, like, subscribe, and rate and review us because we're trying to battle those algorithms and analytics of podcasting just like we do in Major League Baseball. So hit us up with those things that allow us to provide you, continue to provide you a great content like we do every week with this show. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher, that's our streaming devices. If you have another one, let me know. I'll subscribe to it. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Willie may have some stories about this. My Facebook post, I do one every morning where I answer one question. I'll get back to the other 311 questions we had for today. I'll get back to the other 310 privately today. But today's question was asked me to talk about my travel from the north to the south and my first Division One head coaching job. So talked a little bit about the language barrier, even though I'm a language background person. But we're in 72 countries right now. On that note, grassroots to MLB front offices. So we've got everybody's ear. We're just trying to build better baseball IQs uh, with our audience. And I think we're going to do that today with, with Willie. But uh, Will George, welcome back to your show, star of our show. And I'll let you introduce our guest. Yeah, great to be here. Great guest today and Willie Frazier. He's uh, another dear friend uh, in the game who's spent his life uh, like myself and Mark and you and all of our guests that come on here. Uh, special shout out to Mark that we're thinking about him as he's gone through some things and uh, we miss him. But uh, Willie, I uh, would love for you to talk about your journey in baseball. Willie's a dear friend, as I said. Uh, got to know him when he got into scouting. I had seen him pitch in the big leagues because uh, I'm older than him. So, uh, But always loved talking pitching with his knowledge and his experience. And he's had a great journey, and he's one of the real good guys in the game who is really good at his job as well. And want to welcome Willie and just let you talk a little bit about your journey. Well, Will and Dave, thank you so much. And I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been, it's been a, uh, it's been a long journey and still going. This is my, I think it's my 39th year in pro ball. Um, and, and it's, you know, there's been good, there's been bad. I started, I got drafted in 1985, um, uh, by the angels. I went to a small school, Concordia college in Bronxville, New York, um, all right, we had 450 students in our college, and I got picked um, in the first round, 15th in the country. Um, we had, when there was a good draft in '85. Um, it was um, BJ Serhoff and Barry Larkin and um, Barry Bonds, uh, Bobby Witt, Will Clark, um, Walt Weiss. Wow. So quite a few wow. good players, real good players, um, and then. The journey started from there and uh, taken by the Angels and went from New York to California, basically. Um, got to stop in Quad Cities, Iowa and got to stop. Then I went to Palm Springs. But um, in my set, my first full season, I was I was fortunate. I got called up to the big leagues. And then I stayed there for you know, five years, five and a half years. And then when I got sent back down, 
um, after a couple trades from Toronto and to St. Louis, went back to the Angels and did not make the team in 92, stayed in the minors 92, 93, 94, back in the big leagues with the Marlins. Um, in 95, I was with the Expos. And then I went to Japan, and I played in Japan for three years, which was was amazing. It was um, it was quite a journey. When I got there, I was I was I wanted to go. So when I signed with the Angels in '96, I had said that um, if there was an opportunity and the Japanese team was interested, I would love to go. And it just so happened that there was, and um, I got to go over there and played with um, Sotoguchi and um, Shigetoshi Hasegawa and Ichiro were my teammates. Wow. Um, wow. We win the Japan series my first year and it was just the coolest thing. I mean, it was, it was, it was great. I really enjoyed it. I got to play there for three years and, uh, you know, and then when I came back, I started, I didn't know what I was going to do. I talked to Marcel Latchman, who was my pitching coach with the angels and, and still really close friend of mine now. And, um, and I said, you know, I got a chance to go coach or I can scout. He goes, well, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I kind of need to be around my kids just a little bit because I haven't, I didn't feel like at that time. And um, so he said, well, I wouldn't go into coaching because you're never going to be home. And I said, okay. So I went into scouting. Um, and, and that's when I didn't, I wasn't with an affiliated club. I had a company with um, Davey Johnson started the company. And then Mike Pegarulo and I worked for him. And we basically worked for Japanese teams and major league clubs. Davey got the job with the Dodgers, so Pags and I took it over. And we ran with that for 11 years. Um, going to Japan, um, we, we helped different clubs, major league clubs. We helped Japanese clubs. We helped um, we helped some Korean clubs. So, I mean, it was um, we get to go over there quite a bit. So it was great. It was really uh, it was a good time. But, you know, it ran its course. And. You know, and then started working for clubs and started to advance the, the advanced process. We were just talking to Dave about that. You know, I, and the advanced scouting was something I'd started to do with the Angels. Wound up doing it for eight years. And um, some were good, some were tough. Um, but got me in it. And, you know, it was like I felt like I was caught in the middle because I wanted to help in as much as I could at the big league level. But, um I wasn't really at, in the big leagues. I was just trying to help the coaches to get them the information. Um, yeah. But now, you know, now with the Nationals, we're doing a little bit of both, which is kind of fun because um, I'm not really focused just on the advance. I've got 10 teams that I'm working, that I have to work on throughout the season. And, um, and then I have my regular coverage, which is awesome. So I get to be home quite a bit still, not as much as I'd like to, but enough. And I'm sure enough for my wife. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, so that's it. That's it. Yeah. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. You know, I, I think, <laughs> I, I think I first met you when, when, when you, you and Pags and we're doing mm. the, the stuff and that's where we started to build our relationship. I would see you a lot in the AAA and big league park. And, you know, we, we always had great pitching conversations. Uh, yes. You know, you and so many of my friends that got, the opportunity to go play in Asia um, speaks so fondly. And I think, you know, people that are listening and have watched the World Baseball Classic and the passion that the, that the other countries show, uh, 
that's like a big part of the experience. Even though you don't speak the language and the culture is different, you guys go over there and and everybody that I talk to says the same thing. And uh, you know, uh, you know, you've had a great career. You're you're, and I know how good you were as an advanced scout. You know, I would run to run run into you in the big leagues. You were always very thorough. You know, making calls to guys and saying, hey, you know. You know, I didn't see this guy very good. Am I missing anything? And, you know, I'm sure your coaching staffs have always appreciated that, all the information that you've been able to give them, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's um, a chance, you know, you, and you know the advanced part of it. Well, it's, it's, um, it's backbreaking, but it's also, you know, it's a challenge because it's every three days. So whether you, you know, when you're in it, it's a, it's a term paper every three days, whether you like it or not. So, no. It's hard yeah, to get. you know that you know that's yeah. a neat thing about advanced scouting. I think there's more instant gratification right. than uh, you know because because when you do a good job and your your club goes out and executes and does some things that you've 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 given them some intelligence on it. It's it's that instant gratification. Whereas you know, right now I'm seeing an A ball club. Right. And there's some yeah. kids on there that can really play. <laughs> We're not going to know if I'm right for another three or four years. Right, you know? right. and we and and we might not ever get them. Right. No. So yeah, exactly. that's the other part. You know. Yeah, exactly. And you know that was the thing. You know, when I got done playing and coaching, that I did enjoy advancing because there was more of that. Uh, you know, wow, well, you know, they, you know, they held down their top hitter on some yeah. stuff that I gave them right now. He's not swinging the bat. Well, we went here and we, we executed and got him out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely, that's, you know, that's the, the challenge of it, you know, trying to, trying to give them some advantage somehow, some way. Right. So yeah, that's well, the yeah. part. Well, he described a little bit to our audience here, the work he did in Japan over 11 years. Obviously the, the game is global. Now, mm-hmm. we're talking about 50% of the major leaguers are from different countries. What kind of work were you doing over there? Um, and then how did you, what were the differences between the nuances of the game there as opposed to the nuances of the game here in the States? Sure. Um, yeah. So the, when, when Pags and I had the company, when we were doing it, it was, um, we, would, we would go in and like we would talk to the Japanese teams and they would, they would hire us or our company. Um, our company was Pags and I basically, but we had a couple other people that were involved with us um, at different times. But um, they would they would tell us we're looking for um, a second baseman that hits left-handed. Okay, so now we would go back to the states, and first we would the, the teams where we were working with in the states, we would see if they had any matches at all for that role, and then. Then we'd go out and start scouting AAA and big leagues to find guys that we thought would fit over there. Um, not everybody fits over there um, because of either, you know, they're they're quick to judge at times. They don't they they don't give you much of a chance. So you know you you need to be able to make adjustments pretty quickly over there. It's no different than big leagues for us too. Um, but you know that so getting guys that had that can mentally handle that. And then the other part was being able to handle the way they do things. I mean, the first my first game over there, I'm I'm in the I got a runners on third. I got a runner on third in the first inning, and the infield's in. And I'm like, what the? 
you guys got to back it up. I mean, I need an out. I don't need, I don't care about this run. I need to get an out. They were like, no, 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 no. And then after I was over there for a little bit, I realized the reason why they do that is because they put so much pressure on themselves to try to get that run in that you have way more of an advantage when they're, when they're in. So, um, but yeah, so we would go out and we would scout and then we would make our recommendations. We would give them choices, um, whether it be two, three, four guys. And we'd say, you know, this is, this is what this guy, and we write, we wrote full reports for him, gave them video. And, um, and then we would help them in the process to acquire whoever they wanted to acquire. Um, and then when, we were we did that for a couple of Japanese teams, and then when when some of those Ichiro started come came over, we'd be sitting in the stands, and the other scouts would say to us, "Hey, have you seen this guy in Japan? Have you seen that guy in Japan?" And guys and I go, "Why don't we just build a database with Japanese guys that are coming back or coming over here?" So we did, and so we started working for the major league clubs, and we started just trading in the information back and forth. Um, we would go out and scout all of all the free agents in Japan, all the free agents in Korea, um, and then all the foreigners that are going to come back. And we built the database with those those players, and the teams had access to all that um, with video, so they can make their they can make their uh, assessment without having to spend the money to go over there right away. If they didn't see anything on the video that they liked, then they didn't have to make the trip. Um, but if there were guys who were intriguing, maybe they wanted to make the trip, or maybe they wanted to narrow their field down a little bit more. However, they however they used it, um, you know, it was up to them. But it was great. I mean, we we would make our own schedules, and I was in the big leagues or in AAA most of the year when I wasn't in, in Asia. So, and I was right off the heels of me playing, so I knew still had a lot of friends over there, teammates and stuff like that were over there. So it was great. Mm-hmm. I know. But, uh, uh, I, I know we you we utilized you guys, and uh, at that time uh, we would cover AAA more like cross checking after you guys would see them, and you guys always did a good job of identifying, you know, those guys that might be not might not be a fit with the club they're with, right? But they were going to help somebody in the big leagues and. Uh, I know that was a tremendous asset for us as an organization in Colorado at that time. Well, we, we tried, I mean, and, 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 and it's hard and I can understand how some of the teams, you know, we would go in and we, cause we didn't know any of the players really. We knew them, but we didn't know them. So we were just saying whatever we saw, we put, we put down and some of the teams got upset with some of that, which I get, I understand now, you know, now that I'm a part of this a little bit more, but, um, what we were trying to do with our, with our major league clubs was trying to help them pay for our service was by help, help them by selling a guy. If we could sell a guy or two that you guys didn't, you know, necessarily weren't going to use, you know, or, or were done with then even better. So it was a win-win. So you guys were getting the information and then you were, uh, you were also, you didn't really have to pay for it because the other teams were paying for the buyouts. Um, so that was that was our deal for eleven years. It was a you know a uh, cool deal. Uh, one thing I'd, I'd like to go down with you, Willie. You know, we talk a lot on here, and you know, I guess we're all old school or whatever. Um, but 
you know, the Japanese team just won the World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. I think they won, what, two of the last three? Mm-hmm. Um, fundamentally, they play the game better than we do here in the United States. And I know you played over there and the repetition and the work that they do to do things right. And, you know, for pitchers to command, the pitchers to have good deliveries, for pitchers to be able to execute pitches, to play the game the right way, to put the ball in play, be able to bunt, be able to hit and run, be able to steal base. They play the whole game Hmm. in, in, in just a much cleaner facet than I think we're playing it right now. And probably the reason they went on they went undefeated in the World Baseball Classic is 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 is, is that pretty accurate? Yeah, no. I, you know, the funny thing is with them. You know, the the whole the whole thing in Japan is, you know, the the the, the nail that sticks up gets pounded down. So you're going to follow suit whether you like it or not. And if you know every every infielder when I was playing, every infielder had to before they left spring training had to go through a series of catching a hundred ground balls and, and right. just in BP, you know, just them hitting a hundred ground balls and they had to catch all hundred. Right. You know, or they would go and they would have to do things, you know, with the bunting and the, you know, all the different the small game things because they're not, they're not, they're, they don't have the power that we have here. Right. Um, they usually get the power from the States. Those are the American guys. And, um, but they play that little game and they can do it yeah. well, really well, but they practice it. That's all they practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the, the pitchers, you know, pitchers. I remember, you know, when, when the Japanese clubs used to come over, when I signed an instructional league, you know, guys would be pitching in a game and go down and they had an inning where they didn't throw strikes. They'd go down to the bullpen between <laughs> innings, you know, you know, just to try to get, get into rhythm. Right. Yeah. You know, the, 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 you know uh, and, you know, we, we talk all the time, you know, we're, we're not building that foundation. We're spending more time in a weight room than we do on a field. And, oh. and, 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 and the reason why the Japanese guys throw strikes, throw more strikes, uh, able to execute, catch the ball better, cleaner, make all the little plays, run the bases a little bit better, all the little things that they do leads to you winning games still. You know, sure. not just waiting for a three-run uh, three homer right. or somebody in that throws 100 miles an hour, and that's all they can do. Yeah. No, they, they – they, I mean, we had Ichiro in, our, in the leadoff spot. Ichiro could steal a base whenever Ichiro wanted to, back, especially back then. You know, yeah. 20, 23, 24, 25 years old or somewhere around there. I mean, he could run. We bunted him over every single time. Yeah. He got wow. on, number two hitter bunted. And then we, we, we took off, we switched to Gucci. To Gucci was hitting third, and Ichiro was hitting first. And um, we switched them, our manager switched them, halfway through um, at the uh, All-Star break. And when that happened, then we just kind of took off as a club. You know, uh, I always, uh, not sure if I shared it on here, but the year Ichiro came over and Lou Pinnell was managing Seattle, I was in New yeah. York. They were in there early in the year. And I was with Jim Fergosi Sr. And him and Lou were good friends. And we were watching mm-hmm. Ichiro just kind of slap at the ball, slap at the ball. 
people didn't realize how much power he had. Like oh. Fergosi goes, hey, Lou, can he drive the ball at all? So he brought the the interpreter over and <laughs> the next round he hit like seven straight balls in the upper deck at Yankee Stadium. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, you know, he could have hit 35, 40 home runs and probably still hit 290, 300. But, you know, he chose to hit 350 every year. So. Well, you know, the funny thing about him, he was, it was unbelievable the things that this guy could do. Um, so, you know, the one year he decided he was going to hit some home runs and he wound up hitting like 19 or something like that. And his average suffered a little bit because of it. But he still, the eight years that he was in Japan, he never did not win the batting title. Right. And, and, the, and the, the biggest one was when we win the Japan Series, and I'm stretching one day which didn't happen often either, but I was stretching and so was he, because he stretched a lot. We were yeah. just sitting there, we were talking and he said, hey, you think I can play in the big leagues, in the major leagues? I said, yes. And I said, um, when do you want to go do that? When are you going to try it? And he goes, well, but I have one more thing to do here. And I said, you do? I said, what's that? He said, um, consecutive at-bats without striking out. I said, um, oh, yeah? What? How many is that? And he, I, he said, um, the, the record is 211. Oh, wow. I said, 211? What? Wow. So he started out the quest for that, right? So I'm watching this guy freaking hit balls, bounced balls, putting him in play, right? His average goes down to like 279. But he breaks the record. He gets two four two hundred fourteen. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and Jeez. then it was time to hit. <laughs> he still led the league in hitting. Wow. By July, he had the record broken, and by by September, he had he was in first place in hitting. You know, I don't think we can go two hundred fourteen seconds without a strikeout in uh-huh. a big league game or, or a minor league game. So, yeah, I mean. I mean, he gets, you know, all-star game, he gets on the mound, then he, he's at 94, 95. I yeah. mean, just could, and he would get hit when he, you know, guys would hit him. Because he wasn't, he's not big. He's like 5'9". No. Yeah, and, I know. And he would get waffled by some guys. Never hit, never, never got hit when I pitched. It was funny. I never hit him then. Uh, I was like, well, that's, well, I don't know why you don't, go ahead and hit him now. They don't, wow. but he, I saw him hit more pitchers with line drives the next at bat after he well, got hit. That's, yeah, that's, a, uh, that's real, real old school. You know, there were guys I know growing up, and I signed back in the 70s where, you know, there was guys that could handle the bat that, you know, you, you never wanted to hit because there was a chance they, they were going to hit a line drive right back yeah. at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think st- uh, I remember growing up. Steve Garvey was like that. Mm. That if that if you knock Garvey down, he was gonna he was gonna try to hit a ball right back at you and hurt you. I think Puckett just did it just because that's what how he hit. Yeah, right, right. Mm. You want a you know, championship over there, Willie? With, with the Jap- You want a championship over there, correct? Yeah, yeah. We won the Japanese. We, in fact, we beat um, the Giants. So that's like beating the Yankees. Um, and Matsui was on that team at the time. So, oh wow! Yeah, so we um, we go in there and we we win game one 
Ichiro hits a two-run homer in the 10th inning to win the first game. I pitched the second game. Um, we went uh, we went two to nothing that game. I went seven innings and um, I gave up an infield single to lead the game off. And then in the eighth inning, I gave up a double by Matsui. With the only two hits I gave up, and then they took me out and brought in the relievers, and we won two to nothing. Um, and then we we won in five. And it was so funny because we're up three games none, and these guys are going, we 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 have to lose today. I'm like, what? We have to lose today. What do you mean we have to lose today? They're like, we, well, th- you know, we need one more game because um, then it becomes a player's game, the fifth game. I'm like. I, I was like, what are you talking about? Mo, you're going to get more money if you play five games than you would if you played four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we didn't win game four. We won game five. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. So, but yeah, it was, um, it was cool. It was very, very cool. With some, with some of the scouting, I'm sorry we're spending so much time on Japan. I think both Will and I are fascinated with the, the way they mm-hmm. play. Who are some of the success stories that you either brought over or sent over there with, with your scouting? Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it's, it's more of if the, if the Americans go over there. So the way, the way it goes with that, you're over there most of the time as a helper. Um, and we were told that we, we had a meeting my last year there and um, two of us were still there from the first year that I was there. So, we're sitting down and I could understand by then what was going on. I couldn't speak as much, but I can, I could hear it and understand some of it. So our manager called, called us in and there was four of us at the time. And he said, um, look, and he was pissed because we weren't playing well. And he said, um, you either guys <laughs> either figure this out or you guys will all be going home quickly. You're here to help and you're not helping. So, I mean, it was kind of like a, we knew that, but when he said it, it was just like, huh, you're right. Because at the end of the day, I mean, these guys are there. They're on the same team the whole time they're there, just about. I mean, if they're there, they sign when they're 18. At 34, they're still on that same team. And the way their system works is it's a major league team and then a minor league team. So there's a 70-man roster. This is how, well, I don't even know. I haven't been there in so long now, but. 70-man roster, and 28 are in the big leagues of the 70. The rest are all in one minor league team. Wow. So I got sent down there. Um, each year I got sent down for just for fun, I guess. I don't know why they wanted to do that, but they did. And so I could be pitching against a guy that's 35 years old or 18. It's no different. You know, it's all the same team. And I, there really? was guys that I was there for three years. They never I never saw them pitching a game. Did um did did the Japanese originally sign uh, Soriano, the infielder that ended up playing with the Yankees? Um, you remember? Yeah, I believe so. Yes, and then yeah, and then, yeah, and then from, the Yankees, from Cuba Yank- or Dominican. Yeah, the Yank- yeah, and the Yankees ended up with him, and he ended yeah. up being a good player here in the states. Yeah, you know, you know, one of the things I wanted to go into, and because you spent time over there. It was, how many pitchers uh, go over there 
and recreate themselves and become really good big league pitchers here. Guys like Michaelis with St. Louis um, yeah. jumps right out at me. And, and, and I know there's some other guys and some guys who've actually gone over to Korea, the same thing. Sure. And it, do you think it's because of, of their training and their foundation stuff and their feel for pitching and be able to, you know, you know, you know, just kind of go into that if you could. Yeah, I think that they, you know, you you get, you get, they get better. I mean, Colby Lewis was one guy that went, you know, came, went over there yeah. and was really good when he came back. Yeah, um, yeah, there's been plenty of them, you know, uh, that have done that. But I mean, it was like these guys when you when you're over there, you just get used to you're pitching once a week. Um, your mindset changes just a little bit. Will as a starter there. If you're pitching well, this is unbelievable. But so I was pitching very well my first year. I was over there when after I got called back up from going to the minor leagues for ten or two, three weeks or four weeks, whatever it was. And then, so after, the next day after you pitch, you don't even go to the ballpark. It's a day off for you. Don't even dress. You don't do anything. And then, then you start your routine. My first year over there. The, Bullpen coach asked me every single day if I wanted to throw a bullpen in between starts. And every day, every time would be the same, you know, no, not today. Nope, not today. Tomorrow, yes. Okay. And he, they just asked me every day for the whole season. But they don't, they all have their ways of doing it. Like they, these guys would get, um, they would say they had bad, they, had, they were in bad condition. They're dead. They were either had dead arm or they were just hurt. Their mindset was to throw through that. Right. Right. So we're going to throw until we can't throw. You know, right. you don't hear, you don't hear a lot of them having surgeries or anything else like that. Some of them do, but not, you know, they just kind of plow through it. Yeah. You know, that was kind of an old school thing, you know, that we were taught that, you know, you got to learn what good pain and bad pain is. Good sure. pain is that stiffness and that you, that you can throw through. And I think now, as soon as someone experiences any pain, we shut them down. We take an MRI. The MRI finds, you know, something, a, a, little, a, little, a, a little, a little something, a little that, something. Yeah. that you and I pitched through for most of our careers. Yeah. And, 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 and now these kids are missing so much development time. Um, but. You know, you know, from a delivery standpoint, you know, the, the, the Japanese pitchers have always had, uh, you know, for, you know, for me, balance, rhythm and timing mm -hmm. and athletic flow turns a guy into becoming a pretty good pitcher that can throw strikes and execute. There's a real big emphasis there, it seems, on balance, you know, with the, the hesitation, the pause sure. that they all have um, oh. and you know, maybe go, go into a little yeah. bit of that. They're, they're, like when I went down, so they, when I first got over there, they were going to change my delivery. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. You guys didn't bring me over here to look like the rest of you guys. Right. You brought right. me over here because my delivery is different than what we have. Right. I said, I'm fine. I just haven't pitched because it took so long to get my visa. I didn't pitch for a month. So I was just trying to throw bullpens, getting to do anything before I got over there. Um, so it took me a little bit to kind of get back to where I wanted to go. Um, but they're so drop and drive, you know, and it's like 
they all do the same thing. Their balance is unbelievable. The, the problem is, and then, you know, and I think that's why you see more splits out of them than you see break the hard breaking balls because they can stay, they can stay through that a little bit better than they can that curveball. Right. Um, right. You know, um, but they're, you know, they're running, they're doing, they're doing this, you know, that's the thing that kills me here now. Oh, we don't no run, we don't run. Do things that we need to do that. I mean, then, and we don't, our, our guys, our guys don't stay out there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been watching big league games cause I've been doing, I've been advancing. I'm like, I'm watching guys go on the DL or, or the IL, sorry. Um, the IL, um, for like, what, what the hell do you have now? What's wrong with you now? I mean, you know, getting back to, you know, what we play, I mean, my best, my best attribute is I didn't get hurt. Right. So I played for 15 years and I didn't spend any time on, never spent a day on the disabled list. Right. So yeah, didn't feel good all the time. Who cares? No. You know, like when I, when I was in the, my first year in the big leagues, I got called up and Reggie Jackson was on the team in 86. And I remember I went in the training room after I threw a bullpen. I was just going to go get ice. And I walked in the, I walked in the training room and Reggie goes, what are you doing in here? <laughs> so I just, I just threw a bullpen. I was going to get some ice. He goes, ice, ice is for drinks. Get out. Yeah, no, that's that, that, that's the way it was. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I I ended up getting hurt because I didn't. We never wanted to ever go to the training room. I pulled my hamstring, mm. screw, screwing yep. around off the field. I didn't want anybody to know I did it, and I went yep. out and pitched six innings, and I ended up straining my shoulder, and then my rotator cuff tore a week, uh, two, two or three oh, days sure. later. Yeah. Throwing a bullpen, but it was because. We didn't spend time in the training room. You know, somebody was telling me now, you know, the training rooms are, you know, 22,000 square feet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. They got like freaking masseuses. They got everything there. Yeah. You know, you know, we used to have one hot, t- hot tub, an ice machine, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 a, and a jar of atomic bomb. Yeah. Red hot. And um, yeah, we were just, I, would, I just, I was uh, fortunate. My, one of my teammates when I first, my first year in Quad Cities, Eric Pappas was a catcher. Yeah. He lives here in Chicago. Um, so I got, I saw him in spring training for the first time and had to be 25 years. Wow. And, um, and so when I just came in here this week, you know, for these three days, like yesterday we went out to lunch and spent about a couple hours together. It was just awesome, you know, catching yeah. up with guys yeah. that you, you know, started with. Yeah. So, but yeah, we were talking about a script, and that was the big drug. Then you know, we're gonna have some. Yeah. We got we got the A ball, and they had a script, and we were like, a script, and what is a script? It's, it's just aspirin, coated. Okay. Coded, yeah, coated aspirin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like you know the whole thing. Now we have catching, pitching. I mean, we had two coaches. How's that? Yeah. You yeah, know, we you know we figured out. You know, one of the things I always talked about, you know, Ray Miller I had with Baltimore when I signed. It was a good pitching organization. Mm-hmm. He gave us a notebook. He said, you're going to watch BP every day, and you're going to figure out where guys like the ball, what kind of swing they have, where their <laughs> swing path is, yeah. you know, whether they have a little bit of uh, strike zone discipline. You're going to watch the game. When you watch the game, you figure out a lot of things. <laughs> um, and, and, and I don't think the kids now – 
not all of them, some of them do dig into it. They, they, they're reliant on uh, analysts that are giving them information. And I think when somebody else does the work for you, you never really learn anything. But when you do it yourself, you have an understanding of where, what pitch to throw in what situation to each hitter. Agreed. I agree. And, and you know, the, the funny part is that starts in high school for them now. Yeah. Because they don't call their own games. No, no. So no. we don't we don't allow them any free thinking at all. Yeah. We 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 put them in this bubble and then we don't let them out. And the same with the catchers. And then we wind up seeing it in Pro Ball. Yeah. We're sitting there no, going, we, has no idea what he's doing. We had Sal Butera on last week and Sal was talking a lot about that, you know, being a former catcher and sure. you know, you know, how hard he worked at at that at preparation every day. So that uh, and and it, and it was pitch to pitch. Yeah, watching you know you know how many hitters back when we played also used to move in the box. Right, where 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 you would see a guy if if like I had a good curveball, I'd see guys move up and go oh, move up in the box. Sure, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, or or if I beat somebody with a fastball and they move back, now I was going to change up on them. So, you know, it, it's the cat and mouse game that they're missing out on. That was the fun of it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how can so, I beat how can I beat this guy? This guy's yeah. telling me there's gotta be yeah. a way. You know, yeah. we're going up to the coaches, you know, going up to a, a, a teammate, but not a pitching guy. Go up to a hitter and go, Right. Why am I why can't I get this guy out? Yeah. What, what's what am I not seeing that I need to see? Yeah. No, you know? I mean I I had uh, Jimmy Williams, the Orioles sure. longtime first base coach. And he was my minor league manager for three years in a row. And um, he was really good. And, you know, he taught us to be students of the game. He would say, you know, ask me why I hit and ran. Ask me why we bunted there. Ask me why I put on the wheel play here. Ask me why we put on the pickoff. Um, And then he used to say when the hitting coach came in town, sit around the cage one day and listen to what he's telling the hitters. Yeah. about timing and all the things that you start to put the puzzle together. Well, if timing is a big part of hitting, if I can interrupt their timing, right. that's a big part of pitching, right? Yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do here, boys. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, it's, it's funny how, you know, how now just to talk to guys and do, you know, Wade Davis told me something, which was really, it was pretty amazing. So he could hit a little bit, I guess. You know, yeah. and if you ask Wade, he can hit a lot, but you know, yeah, hit a little. Um, but he said, he goes, I used to try to emulate each guy that I really that were really good that I had, was going to have to battle, right? Their swing to oh, see what wow. they're feeling. Yeah, and I'm like, what? Why? Wow. Yeah, I would, I would try to emulate their swing, so. Okay, if they're doing that, then they're probably feeling this. They're not going to be able to get to that ball, right? You right. know, which is pretty, pretty freaking smart. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and, you, know then, you, you, you know, other little things. You know, like, you know, they used to tell us, "Hey, watch a guy take his practice swings. Mm-hmm. If he's swinging down, you know, he likes, you, you know." If he's if he's got his hands up high and he's swinging down through the ball, or is he golfing? Is he looking for the ball? 
they're kind of telling you where they like the yeah. ball and where their swing yeah. path is. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, there's no secret there. They can't hide on the on deck circle when they're right. taking the. They're just trying to get loose, right? So they're going to swing yeah. with the, where that's comfortable. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, well, now I don't know what the hell they do because I watch yeah. some of the swings on a deck, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Well, you know, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll look, and they're not even taking practice swings. They're standing next to somebody with an iPad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was after they took the practice swings. Somebody said, like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, it was good." Like, you know, they're doing? telling them what the projected script yeah. for, for this at bat's going to be. Yeah, your loft is this. I mean, come on. Yeah. We've, we've, um, we've, we've, we've got a lot of young young kids in the audience that listen. You, you made a great point, but Will does every week with we're not building thinking ball players anymore. We're seeing it at the grassroots level all the way up to the big leagues. What advice can you give to the young kids or the parents or the younger coaches out there that are developing the next generation of players to get them a little bit more free thinking, a little bit sure. more in the game. Sure. Kind of yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff in the wintertime with kids too. And, and I, for me, I want them to, and I try to instill in them to enjoy the game by watching the game and playing the game, not just like going through, I, you know, so many kids have this coach, that coach, this coach, that coach, you know what, that's fine, but you have to go out and play it and enjoy it and then once you're enjoying it those little things will start happening you'll start to see little things you know roberto alomar um was my teammate one year in um in toronto great player um and i said to robbie we were with bp and and i said robbie you come out here every day you guys take bp i said i'm tired of you guys taking bp and i don't even do anything i just stand in the outfield and shag I said, how do you get through this? You know, as many, because we used to take me a, a lot of every day, just about. And he said, my father told me, and I've never forgotten this. And I tell kids this all the time. You know, you go through your normal daily routines. So, you know, you go through your ground balls or you go through fly balls or your reads in the outfield or whatever it is. And then you get, you go up to hit and you go through your succession where you're moving the ball the other way and then doing, he goes, but pick one of those skills every day and take that skill to game speed, whether it's turning double plays, whether it's fielding ground balls, whether whatever it is, whether it's bunting, whatever you're doing that day that you've picked, do that game speed as hard as you can. And if you continue to do that, everything will just get a lot easier for you as you go. And it makes sense. In my mind, it makes sense because now all of a sudden you're still training everything else, but you're, you know, you're just kind of getting yourself loose and ready for your game, right? But now we're going to focus for that five minute span or whatever it is on that one skill that's going to, you know, it might help you in that game. It might help you a month later. Who knows? But you're, you're, you're making yourself better every time you do stuff like that. Um, and that's just kind of just a little bit of that thinking ahead and paying attention. You know, I, I remember being in um, being in the minor leagues and sitting behind home plate and watching guys pitch. And I would see a guy throw a pitch that I didn't have and I didn't even know how to throw it. But I'm like, huh, he does that well, really well. And he's having success with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure out how I can m- maybe throw that pitch or – start messing with it and see how that goes. 
Um, but that all comes from watching. You know, my favorite part about the watching thing, we didn't have all the TV things and the games on TV like they are now, right? We had the Saturday game of the week. And we'd go and we'd watch the Saturday game of the week and then we'd be out that that afternoon and whoever played well, we're emulating them either at the plate or on the mound. You know, we're going to swing like Joe Morgan or we're going to swing like, you know, George Foster or whoever it was. You know, you're going to get up in box and you're going to act like, and there was nobody filming and telling us what to do. It was all feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you learned how to feel through things and how to do things. And I think the more you kind of can allow yourself to do that and be not so much robotic about what, what things are going on. You know, uh, this is a, this is a game where you have to be athletic. You know, there's a lot of athleticism. I tell the pitchers all the time, I said, you guys become robots. You're not going to have any success that way. You know, you yeah. have to have some rhythm and timing. So how important, how important is playing multiple sports in, into that? Well, for me, it was huge. Um, I know people push away from that. I pushed them, all of my guys, and I had 45 kids last year. I pushed them all to play another sport. I, if they had playing basketball, great. Just tell me when you got to open, you know, you have time and we can start whenever you want. Um, but I, I like football just as much as I like baseball, if not more. Um, and I was probably just as good at the time in high school. More, I had more scholarships in football than I did in baseball. Um, and, but I also knew I was going to, I was not very fast. So that wasn't going to happen very good for me, but, and I could throw, so it was a lot easier, but I think it was huge because we just didn't have the, you know, I got kids that want to, they don't play any other sport. So they'll throw all year long. And I'm like, you can't, you can't do that. It just doesn't make sense. Your body's not built that way. You have to give it a, your, your head has to have a break from that, you know, and it kind of re, it revitalizes you when you start playing again. You're like, all right, this is great. But it becomes a grind if you do it every day. Yeah. And the body and the mind, like you said, yep. well, we've kept for almost 40, almost well, 46 minutes now. Do you have any last couple questions you want to throw? Yeah, I, you know, you know, I, I just learned something. Well, you were a quarterback then too, right? Yeah, a quarterback, but I was, a, I was more of a defensive back. That's what I, I like. Okay. I didn't like getting hit. I wasn't a fan. Um, you know, I, I, I had, I had a bunch of scholarships for football, quarterback. Too, but yeah, as a quarterback, I you know couldn't run, but uh, yeah. I could really throw. Of course, and all the drills that I did for throwing a football, I know helped lend to my arm strength in baseball. Um, you know, as a kid, I was in punt, pass, and kick. I went to the national finals in that uh, one year. Awesome. Um, but all those things, you know, it made me a better athlete. And you know what? I I, I played pickup basketball all winter long. I played in junior high. You know, but when I got to high school, I decided just to play two sports. I thought three was going to be too hard. But, you know, I would not trade off any of those things. And then, no. you know, uh, but then the other thing you were talking about earlier was the game of the week. But this week in baseball with Mel Allen on Saturday, <laughs> right before the game of the week pregame show. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. And, you know, you would go out and, you know, I love the Pirates. I had. You know, me and my brother would play wiffle ball. I had uh, Willie Stargell, Roberto Clemente, Al Oliver. Uh, you know, I yeah. had the whole lineup oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, yep. you know, uh, you know, I, I knew how to throw like Jim Palmer. I knew how to throw like Tom Seaver. I knew how to throw like Steve Carlton, depending on whatever team I was that day. So the cool thing though was right. Then you wound up, wound up playing with those guys. Some of them, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, well, That's I, 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 I mean, I got a great Palmer story. My first year in big league camp, my first day, uh, I liked to run poles. Yeah. I, I, I always liked to run, you know, cause I needed to keep my weight down. I had sure. a tendency to gain some weight. So, um, nobody wanted to run with Palmer. So I go, oh, well, I'll, I'll run with him. Well, you know, I'm six feet tall with short fat legs and I'm running with this six foot five guy who takes four strides and he's across. I thought I was going to have a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's my like, good. same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm going, well, now, now I know why Flanny and none of those other guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was that for me, the coolest, one of the coolest things was I, you know, everybody growing up in New York, um, either Yankees or Mets and most of my friends are Yankee fans. So I wasn't going to be a Yankee fan. Um, so of course I'm going to be a Red Sox fan because that pisses everybody off. So, um, so I was, and you know, and that's, you know, Dewey and, and Rice and, right. and, and all those guys, my first complete game in the big leagues was in Fenway. Oh, wow. What a great, I, what a great thing. And I punched out and I punched out both Dewey and, and um, Jim Rice. Wow. It was, amazing. it was a Saturday game of the week. It was amazing. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. great. It was that's amazing. awesome. What a great experience. Yeah. What a place. What a, oh my God. A I was just there. In. Beautiful. Yeah. Historic place to walk into. Well, and I'm now I'm in Wrigley. Same thing. Yeah. Shoot. You know. I know. You know, that was the coolest thing about Yankee Stadium too, was walking through the, you know, coming to the field and then walking out of the out of the dugout up the stairs and then boom is there. Yeah. It was just like amazing. I got yeah. invited to Yankee Stadium my sophomore year for camp, you know, like a summer tryout they did. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And you know, they would bring a bunch of kids in and then they would play a game after they ran everybody and took BP and infield. Yep. And I got the pitch there when I was in tenth grade and awesome. um it was the original Yankee Stadium, mm-hmm. right? And my dad had played for the football giants in that stadium. So it was wow. a, it was a pretty neat family family day. He played back in the thirties. So that's tremendous. Yeah. What a great that's experience. Really, really cool. Yeah, my my I did those I went to Yankee Stadium from when I was a saw a junior in high school, um, mm-hmm. through college. And my first one or second one, Sean Dunstan was there. Oh, wow. And he was going to be a senior. And um, I remember it like it was yesterday because they, these guys knew him because he had been going since he was a freshman. Yeah. And yeah. so they hit a ball, you know, how they had everybody in the back corner at their base. Yeah. They hit a ball over the coaching box when they were hitting ground balls. And they said, just leave it, Sean. He goes, no, I got it. And he catches his ball and he throws it across the diamond well. And this thing never, never wavered. I mean, it was on a freaking line all the way across the field and i was like holy crap yeah i you know i talked to some older scouts that saw him and uh the other guy was was uh johnny bench Mm. that that when you saw them you never saw anybody throw like that in in your life 
at no. that position. Uh, you know, I went to the 76 All-Star game in Philly. The area scout there really liked me. And, um, you know, I grew up in that area and he got right. tickets for me and my brother. And we, he got us in early to watch BP and infield. And Bob Boone could throw and he mm-hmm. was good. You know, he was the backup, but Bench stepped in there and he would make throws and it looked like he was just like flicking his wrist. <laughs> and, and the ball, you could hang your laundry on for yeah. seconds and you would go, oh my gosh, what is that? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I was like, I'm not uh, built for this. I don't know if I can do that. No, gosh. And, you, know, you, know, you know, Booney and you're going, ah, poor Booney. And he's got a six arm. Yeah. And you're going, you're yeah. called poor Booney. Booney, yeah, Booney, poor Booney. Booney was my first catcher. In the oh, big that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he had left Philly and yeah, and uh, and that was it. Yep. Wow, well, Willie, we've kept you for almost an hour. We appreciate. We love the fact that you gave us so much time today. Anything you want to leave our audience with today? Parting shot. Well, I, I I just really want to thank you guys for asking me to come on and having me on. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, when you get a chance, like Will said, you know, you walk in the ballpark and you see Will there, and you see the baseball guys that 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 are out there now. I mean, it makes you happy because you know that the conversations are going to be good. Um, there's going to be some laughs, but you're going to you're probably going to learn something too. And um, you know, and being being a part of this group and and uh, being around these guys is amazing. And and I've been very fortunate in that regard. So. But I, I thank you guys both for um, asking me to come on, and uh, I've, hopefully yeah, I was great. Uh, I was entertaining and somewhat. Yeah, great. Well, how about you, Will? Yeah, great job, Willie. Loved having you on, and uh, just love always talking baseball with you. And you know, I think you gave great advice for kids to watch the game, love the game, enjoy the game. And then for anybody that's listening, keep reading Kevin Kiernan and listen to these podcasts because. There's a lot of wisdom and truth to everything we bring on here every day. So that's a good, uh, that's a yeah. good, good advice and good promo there. Um, yeah. and to our to our audience, also sixteen thousand five hundred and growing, seventy two countries, grassroots to MLB front offices. Download, listen, like, subscribe, rate, and review so we can bust up those algorithms that the podcast world loves, just like baseball does. Uh, we can keep giving you great content like we did today. Will, great job with the interview. Willie, thank you so much. Very candid and appreciate your your responses. I know our audience, our mission is to build better baseball IQs, and I think certainly you did that for our audience today, and, and I feel like I get smarter every show we have. So thanks so much to both you guys, and get episode 169 in the books, A Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will, and our good friend Mark Wiley out there. Keep getting better, buddy. Yep, great job. Thank you, guys. Thank you.